Y'all be in, in, uh, in prayer this morning, because I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I've got three different messages, and I'm going to try my best not to preach all three. Amen. Brother Bill said, go ahead. <laughs> um, we're going we're gonna, to um, dig into the Word this morning. Uh, I want to remind you to uh, remember Brother Kevin and Miss Chastity. Um, they are back on dry land. Um, they'll be spending one more night somewhere between here and Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, where they got off the boat at. So somewhere between here and there, they'll spend another night, and then they'll be back sometime tomorrow. Um, so keep them in your prayers for Traveling Mercy. Uh, they left us at LJ, Georgia um, last Sunday morning about 3 o'clock heading to New Orleans. And um, w the address to the place we were staying at was in was LJ, Georgia. And uh, they didn't even get out of the city of LJ before they got pulled over the first time. <laughs> so prayers for traveling mercy. Amen. Um, praise the Lord. Y'all can, can hammer him with that when he gets back and I will not be offended at all. <laughs> huh? The cop did show him mercy and he did not give him a ticket. Anyhow. Be remembering them. Thank you, Lord. Here we go. Exodus chapter 16. We're going to look at two or three different things, and, and, and I really do have three or four different messages that could come from where we are today, but uh, we'll just see where God leads us and, and how He guides us. And It's a pretty amazing story to me, and I've studied it and read it um, a bunch of times over the last couple of weeks, and um, it's pretty amazing stuff in here and, and um, hard to believe just how forgetful we really are. Exodus chapter 16, we'll just, we'll read, uh, I don't know, five or six verses here, seven or eight, something like that. We'll start in verse 1 though, Exodus 16, 1. And they journeyed from Elam, all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt, then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Let's pray. Father and our God, we're so thankful and so blessed to be in your house this morning. We're just asking, Father, for your presence. I ask, God, that you hide me behind the cross, that none of my opinions be let out, Father, that everything I say would be words that you have chosen. 
for this congregation of people to hear this morning. Father, I just pray for your blessings to continue on each one. Father, we just thank you for all the wonderful things that you've allowed us to see. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The children of Israel, they've been brought out of Egypt. They're following Aaron and Moses. They're in the wilderness of sin. They get hungry. And, and they look at Moses and Aaron and they say, We would rather you have left us in the land of Egypt as slaves and we died there with our bellies full than you to have brought us out here and us starved to death. That's their mindset. The children of Israel, God's chosen people. They said they cried out to Moses and to Aaron and said, Y'all are starving us. At least in Egypt, we had plenty to eat. Pots of meat, full of bread. We were fat and sassy slaves, but at least we weren't hungry, is what they said. We would have so, just as soon you left us alone and let us be slaves to the Egyptians and our bellies be full than to be free and hungry. Think about that. Th think about what they're actually complaining about. Now, God heard them. And in this case, God said, Tell them to go out in the mornings and gather it up. I'm going to make bread rain from heaven. I I'm just, bread's just going to fall out of the sky, Pinky. <laughs> But bread, bread's just going to fall out of the sky. You go out there and gather up what you need. Six days of the week. On the sixth day, get a double portion. Why the sixth day get a double portion? There ain't going to be none on Sunday. The Sabbath, what we call Sunday now. The seventh day, there won't be none. You're not going to gather anything on Sunday. Now, now think about all that's going on here. Bread is going to fall from the air like rain. Huh? Who's going to make this happen? God Himself. What does Moses have to do? Nothing. What do the children of Israel have to do to make this stuff fall? Nothing. Just go pick it up. Sometimes in our lives, God just reaches His almighty hand down and provides. Sometimes it just works that way. Now look, he done this. Now they messed it up, but we ain't going there this morning. They, they, they went out on Sunday looking for more bread. They don't pay attention very well. And I know y'all don't know anybody like that, but they were like that. Go on over with me to chapter 17. Chapter 17 in the book of Exodus, starting in verse 1. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on the, their journey from the wilderness of sin according to the commandment of the Lord and camped in um, Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? 
So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. Horeb. And you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the contention of the children of Israel, and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Okay, we're not hungry anymore. Manna has fallen, we're not hungry anymore. Now we're traveling again. And we're thirsty. There's, there's no water. Nothing to drink. And w- they go right back to the same thing. Why did you bring us out of Egypt, us, our children, and our livestock, so that we could thirst to death in this wilderness? This, th- here we are thirsty. What are you doing to us, Moses? What are you doing, Aaron? We was better off slaves in Egypt. At least we had something to drink. You've brought us out of captivity so that we can thirst in the desert? Boy, they forgot real quick what had just happened just a few days prior, right? They've they've already forgotten about this bread. So God said, okay, Moses, go up here, take your stick, take a few elders, touch this rock, water's going to come out. Now this time, in this scenario... In the first one, God just reached his mighty hands down and, and, and manna fell from the sky. But in this scenario, Moses plays a little part, right? Moses had to be obedient this time. The first one required nothing of nobody. The manna required nothing. God just made it happen. This time, Moses had to go take some folks with him, and touch the rock with his stick, right? And then water came out. Sometimes in our lives, God uses other people to provide for us. Sometimes he, sometimes he just miraculously makes manna fall from the sky. Sometimes somebody else has to do something to make it happen. You see that? This time Moses had to take his stick and touch a rock. Now, it wasn't much to ask of Moses. He didn't have to go out of his way. He didn't have to do any great big um, physical labor. He just had to walk up to the rock, take his stick, touch it, and the water came out, right? Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes our obedience will quench the thirst of many people. Sometimes. Sometimes God just reaches his hand down and it just happens. Sometimes somebody else has to be active For it to happen. Right? It happens that way sometimes. Now look at this next one. We're so forgetful. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. 
And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Moses took his stick, the same stick that he touched that rock with. And made water come out. And he said, I'm going to go up on the hill and I'm going to hold up the rod of God. And Joshua, you just fight. Now understand, Joshua's not where Moses is. Moses, Aaron, and Hur are up on a hill. Joshua is down there fighting. He's badly. Joshua, all he knows is, is that his leader, Moses, told him to go fight this fight. And he said, I'm going to go up on the hill and do my part. So Joshua is depending on Moses to do his part, right? And Moses goes up on the hill and he holds up the rod of God. And the whole time he's got it in the air, Joshua's winning. The Israelites are winning this battle. And then when Moses' arms start getting tired, and, and it, you know, you can only stand that way that for so long. And his hands start coming down, and the rod of God starts coming down, and the enemy starts winning. Joshua now ain't winning no more. He's getting pushed back. The children of Israel ain't winning anymore. And Aaron and Hur notice what are going on, and they, they get him a, a stone to sit on. And they, they place it under him, and he sits down, and then one on one side and one on the other side, and they hold his arms up for him. Until the going down of the sun. And Joshua starts winning and the children of Israel win the battle. Now this time, God did, could God have just reached his hand down and Joshua just won? Just miraculously won? Could have. Could, could God have given Moses the strength to stand and hold that rod all day by himself? He could have. But he didn't, did he? He involved some other folks. At what point in reading that story did you notice that Moses asked Aaron and her to help him hold that stick up? Why did they do it if they weren't asked to do it? Huh? They knew. They could see that when his arms came down, Joshua started losing. You know what they said, Pinky? I don't know what it's going to take, but we've got to keep that stick in there. And if it means that I have to stand here and support him, if I have to stand here and hold him up myself, if that's what it takes for our team to win, that's what we're going to do. Amen? Didn't nobody have to appoint him? Nobody had to invite him? Nobody had to show it to him? Nobody had to send word to Joshua? Joshua didn't have to tell anybody? They just done what they knew had to be done. They examined the situation. They seen the evidence of the things taking place around them. And they said, Paul, Moses ain't going to make it without somewhere to sit down, Ronnie. They, they didn't have to get a committee together. The preacher didn't have to ask them to do it, Pinky. They just went and found a rock and set him on it. 
You know why? Because they knew it's what had to be done. Once they got him on the rock, they said, that ain't enough. He still can't hold. He, her didn't say, well, I got this thing I'm doing today. And walk off and leave him. Aaron didn't look at him and go, well, God didn't call me to do that. You know what they did? They stood one on each side. And they held his arms up. Why? Was it benefiting them? Well, not necessarily. Other than their team was going to win. They just did what they had to do to get the victory. Nobody had to explain anything to them. Sometimes God just reaches His arms down and just makes it happen. Sometimes God appoints somebody to do what it takes to make it happen and that person's obedience does it. Sometimes it takes a group of people doing what they know is the right thing to make miracles of God come to light. Amen. Sometimes you have to do things that nobody asks you to do. Just because you've seen that it needed to be done, you went and done it. No, Nobody told her or Aaron to hold up Moses' arms. They knew. You know what? They could have said, Hey, Moses, you signed up for this yourself, brother. We're out. And go back to the house. Because they didn't agree to none of this. Moses is the one that stood up and said, I'm going to hold this stick up. Didn't he? In the story we read, that was Moses that said that, not Aaron or her. And Aaron or her never nowhere in the story agreed to help him. They just agreed to go watch. Sometimes it's what it takes. It's just doing. Now I want to show you something. The other side of this message. The other side of this thing. The other side of what's going on. We are forgetful people. Very forgetful people. Now, the children of Israel forgot that God fed them when they got thirsty. Not every one of them stood up and said, Hey, y'all hang on. God gave us bread. Surely He'll give us water. Not a single time. They, they didn't say that. They'd forgotten. Instead, they fell back on complaining again, right? Now their army is out fighting the battle. And look what it's going to take for them to remember this. The very next verse in Exodus chapter 17 That'd be verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. Write it down. God said write it in the book. Write it down. So that they can be reminded. So that Joshua... See, Joshua's out fighting. He didn't know about Moses and the stick. He didn't know about her. He didn't know about Aaron. All he knew is they told him to go fight. He went and fought and they won by the edge of the sword. That's all he knew. God said, Moses, write it in the book. Write it and read it out loud in front of Joshua so that Joshua knows that he didn't win that battle. So that Joshua can be reminded that I, God, won that battle. And it didn't just happen because I said for it to happen. It happened because three men decided to be obedient. That's why you won, Joshua. And I want it to be written down as a memorial. A memorial. A reminder that that's how it went. Now, the children of Israel to this point have seen bread fall from the air. 
Water come from a rock. And a battle won because of a, a man holding his arms in the air with a stick in it. They need to be reminded. Go with me to the book of Joshua. Chapter, uh, yeah, chapter, chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Uh, we may as well start reading in verse 1 so y'all can get it. Joshua 4 verse 1. We'll go through about verse 7. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying. Now what did he just say? The, all the people had done what? Crossed over the Jordan. What was the Jordan? A river. So they built a bridge and crossed it, right? Now what happened? In, in, in one account, when, if you read this story, it says that it stood up. The, the, the water stood up. Now, now, Ronnie, I don't know about you. I've spent a lot of time um, outdoors and around stuff like water and woods and stuff. And as many times as I wanted to get to the other side of Richland Creek, I had to find a path by which to cross, right? I've never in my days said, and it just stopped flowing, and it stand up, and I walk. I've never seen that. I would say, Blaze, if I ever seen such a thing happen, if I was on that, you know, that ultimate, that ultimate turkey hunt. And, and he's gobbling on the other side, Craig, and I could say, boy, if I could just dry this part up, he'd come. Because, you know, that water will stop him. He don't like to fly. He's lazy and in love. If I could just get that water to stand up and make it dry, and he would come across. If that ever did happen, never would I, I would have a heart attack, first of all. Never would I forget. Right? That is a miraculous thing that these guys were on their way. And they come to a river, and they go, uh-oh, we got to build a bridge. And Joshua says, no, God said, and they just, and they walked across. Do you think they would ever forget that? I mean, you know, that, that ain't no little thing. I mean, that, that's pretty big stuff, but let's keep reading. We, we're so forgetful, y'all. We forget, a lot of times we forget. Verse 2 Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe. Command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. He took twelve men from the twelve different tribes of Israel. And he said, he said, now you guys are on your way across this water. I need you to bend down and get up a stone apiece. Each one of you pick up a rock as we cross. We're, we're crossing the dry riverbed because the water has stopped flowing. It has is, it is quit coming through that one. I mean, it didn't reroute, Ricky. It just stopped. It just stood still. And he said, on your way across... You twelve men, one from each tribe, grab a stone, grab a rock, 
and carry it with you to the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. Verse 4. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Can you imagine? Being a part of the children of Israel. You've come through the desert where you've seen bread fall from the sky to feed you. Where you watched a man touch a rock with his stick and water flowed out. Where you watched your army win a battle because a man held that same stick in the air with the help of two of his friends. Can you imagine being a child of God, a member of the children of Israel? And not passing those stories along. <laughs> Can you imagine being one of the ones that walked across the Jordan? The, the Jordan was that you walked across. And not passing that to your children? Not telling, can you imagine not telling that story to everybody you come across? That was the fear here. And he said, y'all go take these stones and you're going to pile them up. And when your children come by and say, what do those stones mean? You tell them about you crossing the Jordan. You tell them about the things God done as you stood by and watched. You tell them about the miraculous things that you were a part of. A memorial. Can you believe that they would forget such things? A memorial is established as a, a reminder to us of a significant event in time. The pile of rocks for the children of Israel was a reminder that God had allowed them to cross a river that He caused to stop flowing. Memorial Day. You know, now we don't use stones and statues so much as we'll appoint a day. Amen? We'll, we'll appoint Monday, tomorrow, Memorial Day. And it's a reminder for something. It's supposed to remind us. It ain't supposed to remind us of how much we like drilled burgers and drilled hot dogs and hot slaw and ribs that cooked all day, Mary. That ain't supposed to be the first thing I think of, gathering up with my family. That ain't, that ain't what it's meant to remind me of. Memorials. We see them throughout God's Word. If you go to a concordance, look up the word memorial, you'll get several places that you can go and look where they set up different things to remind them of different stuff. Today we use holidays, Memorial Day. It's a day, it's set aside for us to remember something. And it's not food. It's not family. It's to remind us that lots of people over the years have given their life that we would have the freedoms that we have. That you can gather as a family and eat hamburgers and hot dogs if you want to. Somebody died for you to have that opportunity. We should never forget them people. 
Never, never should we ever forget. We sh- you know, we think it's crazy that the children of Israel can forget that they walked across a river that God made to stand still. But it's just as crazy for you and I to live in such a blessed state of living and forget that it wasn't free. People died for me to have this opportunity. People died so that I don't have to go into an underground church on Sunday morning and sneak in and all of us show up at different times so we don't draw too much attention. People died for me to have that right. We have all kinds of memorials set up, all kinds of different things that remind us, and we're fixing to do another one of those. This, this Lord's Supper is a memorial. It's a reminder. And as pretty as the tablecloth is, it kind of covers up something really important. That table says, this do in remembrance of me. Just this Wednesday night, we started a, a um, study on the Lord's Supper, what it means, how we should take it, how we should approach it. It's a reminder of something. It's a reminder that Jesus Christ is coming back to get his church. It's a reminder that he died, was buried, was resurrected, and still ain't finished. It's a reminder. We take it lightly. We take it way too lightly. We take a lot of things way too lightly as Christians. The, the things that we set up as reminders, we forget what they mean. This is a reminder. We're about to go into our Lord's Supper, and it is a reminder that Christ is coming back. Now I want you to go to um, 2 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 11, ain't it Eddie? <clears throat> Um, and, and for more information on this little subject, uh, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we're going to read in verse 27 because there's something we should do before we take part of this reminder. First Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 27. This is a memorial, so, so appropriate to take part of this memorial right here on the day before Memorial Day, right? A reminder that our freedom came from people giving their life. This is a reminder that our freedom from sin, our spiritual freedom, came from a man giving his life. Amen? And that he made us a promise that he's coming back to get his church, to gather up his people. The, the last time we've seen him in, in countenances in the Bible is not the last time we're going to see him. That ain't took place yet. This is a reminder of that. Now, before we take part of this reminder, we need to understand something. Look at verse 27 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine himself. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment. Some versions of the Bible say damnation to himself. Not discerning the Lord's body. 
You see how serious this is? You see how serious Paul told us this is? He said that if you do this unworthy, now, the big discussion is who's unworthy. According to that scripture right there, it says, let each man examine his neighbor, the person in front of him. Let's determine it on how old they are. What did it say? Let each man examine. You determine. You decide if you are worthy. This is a memorial. This is a, a, a um, reminder that our Lord's coming back, that He died to give us freedom from sin, and if we accept that gift of salvation, He's coming back to get us. A reminder. But if you take part of this unworthy, now, now what's unworthy? You, if you have naught against your brother, anything you're holding up inside, anything you've got bottled up, anything that can be a hindrance between you and God, any unforgiveness, any anger, any hatred. you got to get rid of that. Because if you don't get rid of it. See, God is a just God. And he, if you look through scriptures many a times, He gives us opportunity. He'll say, you look at yourself and you judge you. And you take care of it. And I won't have to. But if you don't. If you don't take care of it yourself and you go ahead, then God will step in and He will take care of it. And I'll guarantee you, you don't want that. Can I tell you about the wrath of God? Y'all ever heard of a guy named Noah? Just him and his family is all that survived the wrath of God one time. Can I tell you, can I tell you about the wrath of God? Have you ever seen in God's word about the wrath of God? Have you ever seen the story of, of, of the Red Sea parting? And, and, and God's children made it across and the people behind Him, you know what they experienced? The wrath of God. They were swallowed up by it. That's the wrath of God. He's a just God. Don't be guilty of that. It's a memorial. We're going to have an altar call, um, um, invitation, however you want to put it. And I wanted to mention this before that because this is all tied into memorials. We have to have reminders. It's hard to believe, it's hard to imagine that we could ever forget that Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, promised us that He's coming back to get His church. But we have to have a reminder. We have to have a memorial. That's what this is. Let each man examine himself. I'm not going to point to you, and I don't want you to point to nobody else. You deal with what's inside of you. Remember, sometimes God just reaches down and makes things happen. Sometimes it takes the obedience of one to see those miracles happen. Sometimes it takes the obedience of a group of people to see those miracles happen. And you know what? It ain't up to us. We don't get to choose. <laughs> God chooses which way He's going to use, what He's going to do. I'm going to ask Brother Mike and, and Miss Shirley and whomever to uh, be making their way up here. And we're going to have a time of invitation, a time for you to examine self, to judge yourself. And then I want, to, I want to throw one more thing in about this memorial. It is a time of reverence. It's a time of remembering. It's a time of thankfulness. 
You, you have to come into it with the right kind of mindset. You have to let all the stuff go. Turn it over to God. Let Him have it. And then set in reverence and in respect of what's taking place. Don't take it lightly. Don't dumb it down. Y'all stand as we sing.